Hello and welcome to Postgres FM episode 65. I'm Michael, this is Nikolai. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, let's discuss backups finally. Yeah, this has been on our list for a while and I feel like this is a small win for me because finally you picked the most boring topic that we've ever had on the list. So yeah, I'm happy. Boring and also one of the most important ones because if you ask some people why they migrate, for example, for RDS from self-managed Postgres. A very popular answer is I, I'm afraid, uh, I, I, I don't want to be responsible for backups anymore. Yes. Yeah. Obvious reason, right? So, and not just backups, right? Like just the whole of process course. around it. Yeah. But backup, backups is uh, on the first place mm -hmm. in, in, of the list. Of course, the list can be long. Yeah. So, but backups is we are afraid to lose data. Of course, some projects are not afraid. Like some projects are not afraid to lose data, and they value availability more than data loss risks. So, like it's sometimes one is more important sometimes the other. Sometimes both. Actually, in most cases, both characteristics are important to be. 100% available or like five nines, four nines, three nines av uh, available and also uh, don't tolerate any data loss. But I, I see there is a tendency to say, okay, we can be down for some time, but we cannot uh, lose any data at all. Yeah, let's come back to that. I think that like that is definitely a really interesting discussion. I think we should quickly talk about why do we even like Need, like what are the basics here first? I think that's a good like trade-off discussion, but what are the basics? Like why are backups something we need to care so much about? Like what are the main things we're protecting ourselves from or against? Right, so database system should not lose data. If we inserted something, it should be present there. And the main internal mechanism not to lose data is write-ahead log, first of all. So, if we perform some write, it can be insert, update, delete. It first goes to this special system wall, write-ahead log, and it's written there first. And not only written in memory, it's also written to disk. And if you have normal settings, if you committed your transaction, it means that the data is already on disk in wall. As for the normal data files, uh, tables, indexes, not necessarily they received this change on disk. They received it in memory, but not synchronized to disk yet. This synchronization is, uh, happens during checkpoints. But uh, wall, it's definitely there. But unfortunately, sometimes we have... So, ah, so if we have a failure, database system knows how to... Postgres knows how to reach the old point of consistency, just replaying proper wall records since the latest checkpoint. And uh, the bigger distance between checkpoints, the longer it takes to replay these changes, to redo these changes. So it means that if a crash happens, we are good, uh, the database can recover itself. But unfortunately, sometimes we lose the whole server. So, yeah, that's one reason, right? Yeah. Right. Or something is broken uh, with disk, for example, and we cannot achieve consistency at all, and we cannot start or something. 
So I think you're listing the most, like the thing people think about first, but that, that tends to not be the time I see backups actually used most often. It tends to be protecting people from themselves or like customers doing things that they shouldn't have done or didn't mean to do. That's a great point, and this explains why replicas cannot serve for backup for disaster recovery purposes. There is such term, DR, disaster recovery. It's like a set of measures we take to avoid data loss and and so on. So right. So I explained only problems from hardware. You're explaining problems from humans, and they are also quite common. For example, I deleted something and want to restore, but if uh, you rely only on replicas, this change is already propagated on all, all those replicas, and it's hard to restore from there, right? Well, and, that, and I, I only mentioned humans that were doing things accidentally, and then we've also got to worry about people doing things maliciously, like ransom attacks, that, that kind of thing. There can be other, other reasons why backing up your data can be really important, and yeah, having a copy of it somewhere. Right, and in this case, not only you need to back up your data, you also need to store it in some secondary location because yeah. there is special type of attack when uh, if hacker steals access to whole cloud account all backups in danger as well not only postgres servers uh, themselves and in this case the risk to lose everything including backups is also not zero and uh, from this kind of problem we can be only protected if we store data in some additional account and we only few people can access that account. This is hard to achieve, by the way, especially, for example, yeah. if you are an RDS user, you cannot store backups on, for example, Google Cloud or Azure because RDS doesn't allow you to access those backups directly, right? You can store only dumps. Maybe it's time to discuss difference between yeah. dumps and backups. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I wanted to make sure we didn't like move on with without doing that. I think there is one more as well, actually, before we do move on, is that that's corruption. I think it gets mentioned a lot, but I tend to not see people, I, I, I don't tend to see it being the most used time for backups. So it's like people mention like your data could be corrupted, but people tend to like move forwards from that rather than go backwards in my experience, at least sometimes, at least in the cases where the corruption is quite silent and hasn't been noticed for a while. For example, you don't know exactly when it. Uh, there, there are mixed cases. For example, you cannot recover some uh, table or some uh, of part of some table. So you maybe fixed it somehow with resetting wall or something, which is quite uh, risky. And but if you have backups and you can perform point in time recovery you can restore data that you lost or you cannot read and so on. Mm -hmm. So this having backups is useful in this case as well. If you want additional reason why backups are useful, additional reason is you can provision new uh, nodes. It can be replicas or it can be independent clones. You can provision uh, these nodes from backup system, from archives, yep. not touching real live nodes, not making yep. them busy with your cloning or provisioning activities. So this is one, also a popular reason to have backups as a source of for uh, node provisioning. Yeah, good one. Right, so logical versus physical. And this is, this is similar to previous discussions we've had in their definitions, right? So logical being... Right. Right. Well, logical being taking it without bloat, maybe, is the simplest way of putting it. But... Um, like recreate 
recreate the objects from scratch, insert the data from scratch, uh, so recreating the entire database, whereas physical would be at the file level, at the disk level, right? At the block level, right. So, right, uh, at file level, actually, also, also, right. So if you consider pgdump, pgrestore as a set of tools for backups, you're actually following official documentation because it says pgdump is a backup tool. But a lot of database people, including myself, are against this phrase because backups should have special characteristics and one of them is uh, very like flexibility, right? So, so we can talk about RPO RTO right here. RPO RTO is uh, two important characteristics for any backup system. RPO is recovery point objective, RTO is recovery time objective. It's maybe confusing, but uh, one of them is about how much data you lose if you need to recover from zero, like from after some disaster. So for example, all nodes are lost, whole cluster, primary and all its replicas, are, all of them are lost. And um, RTO is uh, how much time it's needed to recover. So one is measured, for example, in bytes, another is measured, for example, in seconds. Good characteristics uh, can be... Uh, close to zero data loss and uh, okay, like uh, roughly one hour for one terabyte to recover. Maybe it's too much, it depends, right? But well, uh, I think, yeah. I was gonna say, I think the genius of whoever came up with these is it forces the discussion of a, of a trade-off here. I think if you ask business leaders what they want, they want, Zero data loss and super fast recovery. It depends. Oh, well, yes, they, they want both, of course, right. Yeah, they always want both, but this forces the discussion saying, well, which are you willing to let us have some leeway on here? Because zero data loss uh, in zero milliseconds is not possible, like generally. Like, you know what I mean? It's, so it, it forces that discussion, or is extremely expensive to achieve. Right, right, right. For example, you can have uh, quite frequent cloud snapshots for your disk, uh, and uh, in this case, restoration, well, it, it still will be quite slow, a lot of minutes, not hours at least, right, usually. Uh, but uh, in this case, you lose some deltas between these points of snapshots. So, if we go back to pgdump, pgdump mm -hmm. creates a set of SQL statements. This yep. is what it creates. You can speed it up to go with, with multiple workers, and then you can speed up recovery as well. For example, if you do it during some maintenance window or in case of disaster recovery, you can go with full speed, for example, taking number of CPUs or knowing how your disk is, um, how disk capabilities look like and uh, saturating these capabilities, but not significantly, right? So in this case, we have both characteristics in very bad situation. First of all, pgdump, you cannot do it very often, especially if you have large database. Again, like roughly one terabyte per hour. Some people get uh, more terabytes per hour, some people get less. It depends on, on your infrastructure, first of all disk, then CPU, uh, also network, important network. And um, second thing is, so, so you, you can do it only, for example, once per day, which is actually uh, quite often for, for dumping. But it means we might lose up to a full day of data 
if, right. we, if we're relying on that as our backup tool. Exactly, exactly. Why you cannot do it often? Also, let's mention it right away. So if you do it often, you, you put a lot of stress. Each PG dump is a stress. We discussed it a few times. There is such setting mm -hmm. hot standby feedback. And in clusters where replicas are receiving read-only traffic, usually hosted by feedback is on. Meaning that replicas report to the primary, I need this, this version of data, this snapshot, these tuples. So when you run pgdump, it runs transaction or multiple sessions in a repeatable read isolation level. Right? It's, uh, it's higher than default. It's not serializable at least, but it's already higher than default read committed. And uh, why is it needed? Because we need to get consolidated snapshot of all, all tables, all data. And even, even if you do it in a single session, you, you still need it. If you, if you do it in multiple sessions, behind the scene, it will tell all sessions to deal with the same snapshot, to, to get data in a consolidated form. Right, uh, so so in consistent data in terms of uh, version of tuples, refreshing consistency, everything. So during this, uh, you hold this snapshot, and this means that AutoVacuum cannot remove the tuples which became dead after you started. So you become a problem to AutoVacuum. And uh, this means that even if we started on a replica, since it reports to the primary, it's bad. <laughs> so you can hold the snapshot for multiple hours, and uh, during this uh, we accumulate a lot of dead tuples, and later when we finished, AutoVacuum will delete these tuples, converting them to bloat. This is how you can get a lot of bloat. Just perform frequent PG dump activities. That's it. So we can't perform frequent PG dumps, so therefore we have bad RPO, but we also right. have bad RTO because... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because not only we need to load all the data to tables, we need also to re rebuild everything, first of all, indexes. Yeah. And, and also verify constraints. Like we're starting from scratch. It's like we're not taking our database, we're taking fresh database with the same data. This mm -hmm. is what the dump restore process does. It creates new cluster, completely new new data, not cluster, uh, database, uh, but with the same data. It refines constraints and it rebuilds uh, all indexes and it's very CPU consuming operation. Mm -hmm. Of course, IO also, but CPU as well. And if you have a lot of indexes, interesting thing that of course, indexes are not dumped in terms of data. Each index, it's just one line like create index. Easy, right? But if yep. tables are large, if you have a lot of indexes, it's a lot of work when restoring. And uh, it means that time to recover will be significant. It can be even bigger in terms of time than data load itself, if you have a lot of indexes. So building indexes can take longer time than uh, loading data. And overall, it can exceed uh, simple copy at file level. That's why base backup with wall replay might be faster. So I think you've nailed why, like, I think you've nailed something, but I want to add something quickly, which is, I don't agree that PG dump is not a backup tool. I think it is. I just don't think it's a good backup tool. And I think that would be like an interesting addition to the statement. I think it, everybody that says it's not a backup tool would be happy adding that word in. 
but other people can't disagree anymore. It, it's just not a good one. It's definitely not the best one available to us. Well, yes, but uh, you know, like the first, third uh, uh, law of Newton, if you apply force, <laughs> there is the opposite force. So since the commutation is quite strong force, this statement is so like, bold and written very clearly, we need to somehow <laughs> to, uh, to um, mitigate this, right? So that's why we're trying to say, I, I agree with you, it's a it's kind of backup tool, not ideal, yes. In some cases, it's fine if, for tiny databases, but if you have one terabyte already, it's definitely time to switch from... Dump. And I see so many projects, so many teams start with pgdump and then suffer quite long and then switch. I don't understand. But like, I think I blame, I blame documentation here because they open documentation, see backup tool, and they have a false feeling they are fine until they are not, like terabyte or like thousands of TPS and uh, maybe even 100 gigabyte is already not good. So, and I see some uh, platform builders also make this mistake. Oh, really? I, I, I'm not going to, to name Okay, them. good. <laughs> but, well, um, uh, yeah, it happens. We should probably move on, though, to physical. Like, what should people be using instead? Instead, we need to use physical backups. Unfortunately, if you are, are using managed Postgres, you just need to rely on they provide. And it's a pity that... It's not a pity. I think it's a huge mistake, and it's not fair that RDS and others don't provide access to backups. If those backups are regular Postgres backups, users should be able to reach them, to download them. But instead, RDS and CloudSQL Cloud and others, they provide only access to at logical level. You can not get your database. You can only get data from your database. I'm trying to continue my concept of like dump restore is like cloning your database. It's not taking your database. Taking database means taking data directory as it is, right? So if you're working with RDS, they do physical backups, but only behind the scene, right? So yeah, this isn't something I realized actually. So you, you're saying there's a couple of a couple of tools for doing physical backups, for example, are PG Backquest or WallG. I can't use one of those to back up from RDS or the equivalent. Is that what you're you saying? Can, you cannot, right. Right. So hmm. the basic backup is just copying data directory with for example CP, SCP, RSync, doesn't matter. And of course, while you are copying the files, they are changing. And there is an internal mechanism to deal with this inconsistency. Basically, you're, you can copy, but you will get inconsistent copy. And, uh, and for example, you can, again, you can perform cloud snapshot of your disk. Again, it will be inconsistent. I remember times when Google Cloud says they do consistent copy of disk. They, then they remove these words from their documentation. So, so internal mechanism to deal with such inconsistency is two functions, PG start backup and PG stop backup. And you can do it on replicas as well. So you say PG start backup, you get a copy of your data directory, anyhow. And then you'd say PG stop backup. In this case, this copy of data directory in PG wall subdirectory, there will be enough walls to reach consistency. So yes, uh, data files are kind of from different times, points of time, right? 
But when Postgres will start, it, it will know that it was a backup, it was a, uh, a copy which was created between pg start backup stop backup functions. So there are walls and we can replay them and reach consistency point. Great. Again, it, it's possible to do it on uh, replicas as well. Uh, but of course, it's not super convenient. It's like low level. And I remember I, I like quite experienced DevOps guys had very big fears to do this approach. I, I told them, if we say pg start backup, oh, by the way, super important. This mistake is very frequent. If you say pg start backup, you need to maintain this connection. If you close it, uh, you will lose proper files. And uh, for example, if you, if you do uh, full backup using Volgi or other tools, same, you need to maintain the connection where you started this. So if you close this session, when you say stop pg stop backup, it will report that lost connection. So you, you, the, the like terabytes of data you just backed up cannot be used. So you need to be careful with this connection. And I remember how DevOps guys like were, had fears to do this. Like, how come? Database is live. It's writing constantly. I cannot copy data directory. It's not possible. No, you, it's possible if you're, in, if you're between pg start backup, pg stop backup, you're fine. But it's like, of course, it's low level. So to make it more convenient, there is a tool called pg base backup which automates a lot of stuff. And I also remember some time ago, by default, it didn't copy wall files. It was so many backups were created without wall files. If you don't have wall files to reach this consistency point, these terabytes are useless. You, need, you can <laughs> move them to a trash bin. <laughs> so you need walls to reach consistency point. But right now, by default, PG-based backup will take care of walls as well. So it's, you're yep. protected right now. I also made this mistake, of course, not once. If you just follow, all, like in all documentation, you just follow steps and like it's normal to forget about walls and then a few hours later you have a lot of terabytes backed up, but no wall. But it's not enough. Why it's not enough? Because not only you need these walls to reach consistency point, we also want to, to have almost like close to zero RPO means it means that we don't want to lose anything. And if our backup starts at midnight, but disaster happens at 11 p.m., we want all 11 hours of data, right? So we need to replay all changes. Perfect way to replay changes is wall stream, yeah. right? So, so we just need to have Okay, we perform full backups, for example, daily or weekly, but we also need to write all walls. And for this, natural approach is to use archive command. Most backup tools use archive command. Only one tool I know which used different approach was Barman. I think it's already using both approaches. But originally, Barman used a different approach. It was like, I'm a physical replica. I'm receiving changes uh, on streaming oh, replication. Really? Yes, and I, I save this data. It's also interesting approach, but uh, archive command is kind of more reliable and uh, like it's standard de facto. Mm -hmm. So archive command just archives all walls. It's usually by default, it's 16 megabyte files. On RDS, I think it's 64 adjusted. It, you can also adjust it. But uh, default is 16 megabytes. And each file is 
just compressed usually additionally so there are two things two kinds of compression uh, i will i will describe if it's interesting but in general it's usually compressed to some smaller megabytes and uh, archived so if we have whole stream of walls without any holes and like overlapping on, or something if it's consistent right we can replay until the latest available point which means we can achieve uh, near to zero rpo but it will take time increasing our rto which is interesting yeah. and replaying might be quite slow usually it's slow if your shared buffers is low for example sometimes we have additional replica with smaller number of gigabytes of memory so we put a fewer we, we allocate fewer gigabytes to shared buffer and observe how replaying is significantly slower than original so we become we have a lag accumulated mm -hmm. but without lag very rough rule is like usually it doesn't take to to replay it doesn't take longer than originally it was right it should be much faster so if we need to replay 11 hours of work and of course we will be replaying less because uh, some hours it depends on the size of course but some uh, part of it will be replayed wh while we reach consistency point related to backup full backup yep. but then we need to replay more and more and more and of course it should not take longer usually at a few times faster but still a lot maybe 10 times faster it depends on, on data nature hardware a lot of factors so what are our options then for reducing that RT, like that RTO? It's a great question. So there, some tools also offer Delta backups instead of replaying changes as like replaying changes means like we are kind of becoming replica temporarily. It's same, same as having a, a physical replica based not on streaming, but uh, wall shipping. We just ship not from server, we ship from archives. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, usually these days we keep backups on some object sto storage such as S3 or Google uh, GCS mm -hmm. or something like that. So if you replay, it takes time. But there is an, an idea to have Delta backups. Instead of performing full backup, we consider previous backup as the like, basis and just backup difference delta for example we have every 24 hours we have full backup and every four hours we have delta backups or every week we have full backup and every day or every six hours we have delta backup why we still want to have full backup because maybe we don't trust fully to delta backups they're quite f f fragile but these days and you need a full like, one you need a full one at some yes, point to start, right? like to start. yeah <laughs> right and then you need to apply multiple multiple deltas and then I replay additional walls between deltas we still have some uh, distance in time right so it's like three three stage process full backup yeah. del applying deltas and then uh, applying walls walls, wall, walls. Yeah. right right so this uh, can speed the process up definitely and also reduce space because if you perform full backups every day it will cost you in terms True. of object storage price price so yeah so what are like what do you tend to i think you've said previously you tend to use wall g for like the management of these let, let me, let, let me finish on. with i just realized there's also obvious idea that and i know 
platforms they use this approach themselves instead of uh, restoring full backup base backup uh, from archive which which will take time uh, we can just restore snapshot of disk and then apply walls and this can be super fast minutes for, for many terabytes it can take minutes uh, like, uh, AWS GCP they all offer uh, snapshots of disks the Restriction here is that you can restore only to new disk usually. It's, you cannot restore, for example, two backups on one disk. You need to create a new disk and restore from this cloud snapshot. But it can be super fast. And unfortunately, for example, Volgy doesn't support... Uh, I cannot say, you know, I have snapshots. Let's consider them instead of full backups. Let's consider snapshots and just perform all orchestration around it and just apply walls and so on. I'm not sure about PGBcrest, I also think it's, it's so, yeah. But the idea is restoring full backup and deltas as well from, from zero, from scratch. It takes a lot of time increasing our RTO. And we need to move faster because if it's disaster, our service is down. In this case, cloud snapshots and restoration of disk, full disk from such snapshots it's good. So, I mean, we can consider them instead of full backups and then just perform point-in-time recovery to the latest point using wall replay. Restore command is responsible for this. We just configure our new fresh Postgres to continue restoring, replaying changes from archive and then we reach the latest point. In this case, you can achieve quite stable and like kind of predictable RTO uh, which will be almost like like dependency of this RTO on the database size will be minimal because well it will be but it will not be such significant as for as for restoration in traditional way from full backup. So I mean you have like 50 terabyte database. It takes like I don't know like 15 20 minutes to restore from cloud snapshot. And then you just need to replay. Uh, it depends on how active this database is during a day. If you need to replay up to 24 hours, in the worst case, for example, if we if we take snapshots only once per day, actually we should take snapshots more often. Uh, in this case, uh, 24 hours is quite a lot, but maybe it will take a couple of hours if uh, hardware is good. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It does like for smaller databases though. Like it, you said, it's not that dependent on database size anymore. I would guess for smaller databases, it would still be significantly faster. It can take a few minutes. For example, yeah. if you have one terabyte, it, you can restore in, in a few minutes. So from in, in you, for example, one terabyte every four hour, we perform full snapshot, uh, cloud snapshot, and we, for example, have I don't know like half a half a terabyte. No, it's too much. 100 gigabytes per day of worth of wall data. It's good to know, by the way, the distance in terms of bytes between uh, two points, like how much during busy day, how much of data is written to wall. And you don't, you can expect backups in this case. And for example, Barman reported just number of gigabytes. It was good. WallG doesn't report, but it reports LSN positions. If you take two LSN positions, you can just subtract one of, from another and difference will be in bytes yeah, and then cool. yeah 
yeah, and I do it all the time. So you you know the difference. You know, okay, uh, I generate uh, hundred gigabytes per day. Replaying hundred gigabytes on quite good software, it will take dozens of minutes, maybe just minutes. In this case, our uh, RTO will be we can achieve RTO below ten minutes in this situation, which is good. And almost zero RPO. I just explained the recipe for good characteristics of backup system. Yeah, nice. I feel like there's one thing we haven't talked about yet that I feel super guilty not mentioning in an episode on backups, and that's testing your backups. Right. So we need to remember two mantras about backups. Pitch dump is not a backup tool, and you didn't convince me. Not a good backup tool. Okay, not a good backup tool. Okay, good. And second mantra is uh, uh, not tested backup uh, is a Schrodinger backup. Uh, it means it's not backup as well. So we don't know the state of this backup is unknown. Even if the tool which performs full backup exited with code zero, meaning no errors, who knows? Is it restorable? Well, and this isn't just a philosophical question, right? Like there are real things that could have gone wrong, right? Yes, so uh, my personal story is uh, I was reading Hacker News in 2017, in February, and I was reading about GitLab case, of course. They lost a lot of data and um, uh, they, they had uh, many backup methods applied, but uh, poor testing of backups, and they lost data. So this th there is a good, uh, not super accurate, but entertaining uh, YouTube video about that situation in 2017, uh, which explains it like in very entertaining form what happened. But again, like kudos to GitLab team, many years they share everything with community, with wider community, not only uh, those who work with Git or Ruby, but also Postgres. And I remember I was super curious to know about details and to learn from mistakes, of course. And then uh, this is actually how we, we started to work with them. And backup, backup system remains to be super important focus, not to allow any issues anymore. So testing is super essential. And uh, ideally you need to test every full backup and not only every full backup, but also whole Wall Street. So you need to verify that you can restore from backup, the Postgres starts, this is like minimal verification, Postgres starts and can receive connection. Ideally, you should check data which is there, right? Reading some data. Some people tend to dump to DevNow to verify that the old table data can be read. Uh, dump to DevNow. It doesn't mean index data can be read, for example. It's, indexes can be corrupted. And some people tend to use uh, AmCheck, and we discussed how to deal with corruption risks. So AmCheck is a good tool. PGAmCheck with DashJ, as many vCPUs you have, because this machine probably is temporary. Also to check that index data can be read. But it takes time as well. So it's expensive to perform such operations. Maybe not every time you want to do it. But also you need to verify all walls. And ideally you restore from one backup and replay all walls until the point uh, next backup. Right. This is yeah. whole verification. That's, uh, yeah. I think it's worth saying that 
the re like the you're testing for the reasons it could have not worked right like you're checking right. that it's not empty or that it's not you, you might want to check it's restorable yes you check it's restorable because it hasn't failed the restore hasn't failed so that's a that's a great starting point you're checking it's not empty like you, that's a potential failure maybe you're backing up the wrong database within your like maybe you're backing up one of like you know what i mean there's there's so so many right. things that could have gone wrong checking it's not empty i like the idea of checking for recent data right making sure it's not an old backup timestamps yeah exactly so like there's a few kind of smoke tests you can do uh, i think so i've seen some people doing counts of tables but like i don't think you need to do anything uh like well, you can do as much as you want. Obviously, the, maybe the more the better, but there is a there's a limit to how much we want to do, I guess. Right. So we can talk about two classes of verification here. First is infrastructural class. So restorable and wall wall stream is fine. We can replay until mm -hmm. next backup. And actually, we can skip the second part here if you have a replica which you monitor well, well and it's based on wall shipping. If, if that replica is fine, it's, it's constantly replaying from, from backups, it means walls are fine. But if you don't have such replica, you need to do it uh, during your backup verification. It will take time again to replay all walls. But you will know your RTO better from such logs, right? And second layer is logical. This is what you described. Timestamps, counts, we can read data and so on. So I'm checked, yep. corruption, uh, logical level. Last question. You mentioned it's difficult to get physical replicas from clouds. How do you tend to do it? It's impossible, not difficult. It's impossible. They don't provide access to PG data. They don't provide access to backups and they don't provide uh, physical replication connection. Uh, some of them do. Uh, Crunchy Bridge. Uh, they yeah, provide access to, to physical backups. Uh, this is a great example. So when we say this is your data, you can take it. Well, yes, but I, I, not only I want my data, I want my database. If I pay for it, I pay bigger cost than to EC2. Of course, I pay for, for backups to work, HA, everything. I want my database. If it's Postgres, give me, give me this Postgres. I want data directory and I want backups. I was wondering if doing logical replication to maybe a self-managed instance and then backing that up with the fit. Like I'm wondering about like having a, a secondary one offsite. Maybe that could, it's not perfect because you've got the lag, the logical replication lag, but it's better than not having one. Maybe. Well, uh, again, we discussed there are two types of problems again, physical and logical physical. Like for example, uh, something happens with hardware, logical human, mistake or intentional attack and deleted data. If it's logical replica without lag, and the change is propagated there as well. And so you cannot recover from replica in this case. Sorry, I'm talking about having a logical replica and doing a physical backup from that, like having PG Backquest running off your logical replica. Ah, well, yes, it's possible. But again, it's same data, but different database. I mean, you will not get your bloat. And sometimes we want to get our blood because, for example, for some kind of research, if some incident happens on production, we want carefully research what happened, perform root cause analysis. In this case, we want exact copy of our data, exact clone, including all, all the blood, how data is distributed in, in tables and indexes. And logical replica has different distribution of data. Yeah, all I was thinking was maybe you might be able to achieve lower RTO, RPO 
on a cloud system, even in the event of a major outage on that cloud, for example? Uh, well, ideally, you should use what provider of managed service provides you. For example, RDS, they have good reliable backups. I don't see details about testing of those backups. I cannot test them myself except restoring to our, like some, some kind of explicit restoration and uh, running some tests. But uh, we kind of trust them because uh, uh, if the, these backups uh, were not reliable, we would see a lot of blog posts, tweets, LinkedIn messages about it, right? We don't, so they are reliable. And, uh, they have large scale, right? Uh, yeah. But I don't like it's not open source. Like it's kind of they say it's Postgres, but I don't have access to database. I have access to only to data. As I say, heavy clouds uh, are gathering upon open source. You know, is the cloud pun intentional? Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, quick mentioning: some people do. Some people who control their databases, not only data, they also consider using delayed replica because physical replication allows you to having a replica which is like eight hours behind for example and this is exactly for the reasons of faster recovery of some like something was deleted let's replay only a few number of minutes or hours quickly if we do it quickly because if we already passed like something happened but we learned about it already 10 hours later, but our delayed replica is nine hours behind. It's already too late. Or even if you find out about it like seven hours later, you're on like a stopwatch for, you've got an hour to fix this problem. Right, right. But you can quickly pause it. Oh, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good point. Uh, stopping uh, replay. And then you can, uh, you can know when exactly the problem happened and replay exactly like one second before it, for example, and get extract data manually, it happens. Sometimes it's a good idea to have such tool. But for example, database lab users, they have even better. They can provision clone and uh, there is a recipe to replay walls. If, if a database lab engine is working based on physical replication, physic, uh, walls from archive, for example, you can create a snapshot which corresponds to time before the point of incident, then you can replay again from point in time recovery. There is a recipe, it's not fully automated, but it's definitely possible. And then you can achieve very, very good RTO in this case. This is for partial deletion when manually we deleted something. Cool. Good, good. I think we covered all, all main principles of backups. It's not super deep material but I, uh, at least it's something maybe one day we will discuss more deeper things you know or specific tools maybe awesome well thanks so much nikolai thank you everybody for listening and catch you next week good see you later bye